still my soul. Hey everybody, this is Phil. Welcome to our Bible study podcast. At the end of this study, please take the time to subscribe to the Glen Springs Church YouTube channel and check out our website. Also, if you live in the Gainesville, Florida area, we would love to have you visit us in person. For now, let's open up the Heavenly Library and may the words of the Holy Spirit sink deep into our hearts. Thanks for joining us. In every Welcome, everyone. I can't believe we're halfway through May already, and we're a little more than halfway through our study of Ezra Nehemiah. Let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we're now taking a, a a time apart from the world that we live in and all the activities and the, uh, the rush of the lives that we're living here today. We're taking this time, Father, in order to stop and to be in your presence and to worship you and to fellowship with one another and to encourage one another and build one another up in the spirit and in love and in truth. Father, bless each of us as we... Um, set aside the things that would distract us from you and from your word. Father, I'd ask that you have a special blessing on each of the teachers today and, and the students, that they might be open to what is trying to be communicated through your word for the benefit of our lives, that we might know you better, that we might walk in closer uh, union with you and with one another in a, in a joint and united fellowship that will bring you glory and honor. And now we praise you, Father, for who you are and for the blessing it is to be here today and to be a part of your family, to be called into relationship with you through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who's our Lord and our Savior. Just bless us now as we spend this time in worship, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we were halfway through chapter 5 last week, and I, as I indicated earlier, it's sort of a zinger. It comes out of nowhere. We're in the process of building the wall, and all of a sudden it starts out, now there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brothers. Don't know exactly when this happened, but it was one of the challenges that faced Nehemiah and the people, as they're trying to reestablish, not just build a wall, but reestablish this nation, their, their cultural identity, their moral responsibility to God, their adherence to the word. And this challenge is set before them. There's usury going on. There's brothers that are actually having to uh, mortgage their land and losing their land, and their daughters are being... Uh, sold into bondage. And Nehemiah says, this isn't right. We've got to stop this. We've got to correct this. He gets the commitment from the people that, um, that they will give back everything that's there. They won't charge usury anymore. They're going to go about the benefit. The next section here is one of those that, once again, we have the author is looking back from 
the actual completion of his time here, because when we pick up in, in chapter um, 5, verse 14, moreover, from the day that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of the king Artaxerxes for 12 years, neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. So you've got him recording for us this circumstance, which happens 12 years later, at least. He's recounting during his whole time as governor, this is what my office did. Now, Nehemiah, he created a lean staff. He had the capacity to have certain perks that come as a result of being the governor. And those perks would include a number of things that we're going to see that he didn't do here. But what he's doing is he's looking back over the time frame, the whole time he was governor there. And it's following right in reference when it says moreover, it's following right in reference to what's just happened with regard to the people and the manner in which they were operating with each other as far as the usury and all that other stuff. So we really can't pin down this challenge with regard to the, the abuse of the lending and all that happened on the 22nd day of the building of the wall. We don't know exactly when it happened. The reality was it was one of the challenges that Nehemiah and the people had to face in order to move forward, in order to be this united people that had a single purpose and, and were going to be adhering to God's word and, and in that they made commitments to do that. So what he's finding here is he's basically saying, and it's interesting, if you look at verse 19, it says, Remember me, O oh my God, for good, according to all that I've done to this people. If you go all the way to the last um, 13, we've got a number of different references there. When he's coming back and he's dealing with things that had to do with that, Verse 14 of chapter 13, remember me for this, O my God, and do not blot out my loyal deeds, which I have performed for the house of my God in the services. You look at verse 22, for this, remember me, O my God, and have compassion on me according to the greatness of your loving kindness. In verse 30, remember me, O my God, for good. So he's basically making an appeal to God that Remember me, we've faced these challenges. I've done the best job I can. This has been a challenging circumstance. So when we come back in here, he's going to recount for us in verse 15. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides the 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. So they had the authority, they had the right, and, and not only did the governor exercise this authority and right, but even his servants would exercise a dominance over the people. We're, you're going to, I'm the, the servant of the, of the governor, and you're gonna give me what's due. And, and basically, he would not allow his administration to do any of that. He was not going to take what was rightfully his as a governor. He had 
the authority to basically demand these provisions from the people as well as money and even his administration, those that were in his household and his administration, basically, he wouldn't allow them to do it. You're not going to abuse the authority that you have. Um, I also applied myself to the work on the wall. Not only is he coordinating all the efforts of those people that are actually doing the building, he's there physically laboring. He's there stacking blocks. He's there working, um, working right alongside his administrative staff, the people that were his servants who were working as the support for the governor, they're also working on the wall. So they're not standing back, okay, you do this over here and you take care of that over there. They're actually physically laboring in, in this effort here. We did not buy any land and all my servants were gathered there for the work. We basically were there to do this work. And, and they didn't set themselves up with land and houses and all the other stuff. They had a focused intent on what it was they were, what the, what it was they were doing. Moreover, now this is phenomenal. I'm trying to figure out if this is actually every day. As you read this, it's like, that's a lot of food. Moreover, there were at my table 150 Jews and officials besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now, that which was prepared for each day was one ox, six choice sheep, also birds were prepared for me, and once in 10 days, all sorts of wine were furnished in abundance. Yet all this, I did not demand the governor's food allowance because the servitude was heavy on the people. So this is... The scope of what it is he's providing for, there's visiting people that apparently during this 12 years of his administration, he has hosting continually a large number of people. That that's part of what the household is, that his court, as it were, it's not a kingship or anything like that, but his, as governor of this province, then he's got a lot of people that are coming in, they're having whatever purpose, but it sounds like every day there's this bunch of people that are gathering together. I doubt this is happening during the construction of the wall, but we've, he's recounting his 12 years as an administrator in this land. And so we don't know exactly when he was appointed. It was in the 20th year. May have been one of the letters that we don't have disclosed. We, we knew that Artaxerxes had given him letters of passage and that we knew he had a discussion that wasn't necessarily recorded, chances are at the same time he was appointed as governor in order to, the, the request that he made of Artaxerxes was not to rebuild the wall, it was to rebuild the city. And as such, if he comes in with full authority as governor, then he's going to be able to move forward in that. We don't know exactly when it occurred other than it was in the 20th or the 32nd year. And then verse 19, we started with this, remember me, oh my God, for good according to all I have done for this people. So he's recounting the time of his governorship, 
the manner in which he administrated his position of authority. I didn't abuse it. I used my own resources in order to provide for what was required for me to do what it was I had to do being governor of this province. And it was quite involved. There's, I can't even imagine 150 people or an ox every day and six sheep every day in order to make provision for this type of spread that's going out before the people. So it's a, it, it, I'd never really conceived of the scope of what it was he was having to deal with all the time. These visiting parties, these nobles and Jews that are at his table. As we move into chapter 6, once again, we're back to the chronology of what's happening with regard to the building of the wall. Now, when it was reported to Sambalat, Tobiah, to Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, okay, they're all been watching, they've all conspired together to intercede and stop the work, to create a disturbance, and they failed in that effort because of the fortifications, the horns, the weapons, the manner in which they've approached the work, they've been frustrated. So now they're getting the report that I had rebuilt the wall and there were no breaches remaining in it. Although at the time I had not set up the doors in the gates. Okay, so we've got, as far as I can tell, there's like 12 different gates in this wall around Jerusalem. And some of them are larger and smaller, that sort of situation. But essentially, we've got these areas where, okay, the wall's complete. Now, the, the gates themselves, if you can imagine, these walls are fairly high and substantial, so that built within the wall, there might be an arched gate where you're coming up and you've seen this type of construction before, where you have to step the stones in in order to create. Oftentimes, they'll have a keystone at the top that creates the structural strength. For now, we're going to build over the top of this. When you begin to conceive of what this wall is that they've now completed, as we go later, we're going to have a celebration where there's two different choirs. They're climbing up on the wall, and they're marching in opposite directions around the wall of the city. This is not, you know, I, I drive through the subdivisions here in town and I see these walls that are sometimes blocked, sometimes brick, sometimes straight, sometimes crooked. They're a decorative ornament, you know. They're as thick as a set of block or a set of brick or whatever it is. This was a very substantial wall where two choirs can walk and praise God through around the whole perimeter of Jerusalem. This is a very substantial undertaking that they've completed. The wall now is complete. The enemies are angry, upset, distressed. Um, so they're, they're now, they really can't do anything to prevent the continued construction of the wall. All that's left are these gates. And so then Sanballat and Geshem, verse 2, sent a message to me saying, Come, let us meet together at Shepherim in the plain of Ono. And they were planning to, do, to harm me. 
They're going to take them out. None of this was happening before Nehemiah arrived. We got to take them out. If we're going to stop what's happening, we've got to take this person out. He's key to the completion of this project. And now they're focusing not a general, we're going to create a disturbance. We're going after you. And so, so I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Now, the gates are a different situation. When we look at back to chapter 3, we've got um, a number of people that are credited with working on the fish gate. They laid its beams, hung its doors with its bolts and its bars. Probably a more sophisticated operation. We've got three different people that are recognized or groups that are recognized. They did this gate. And the gate then required the special materials that he had authority to from the king's force to get these materials on hand. Then he's got these people, but they're still going to require some oversight. They're going to require some direction. And he recognizes if he's not there, this work may or may not be completed. And so he's not going to be distracted. He's not going to be pulled away from what it is that needs to be done. Why should the work stop while I leave and come down to you? They sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. They're coming at him. They're saying, come meet with us. We've, we need to basically have a conference. You're a leader, and we're leaders. We're, let's make an, an alliance. Let's figure out some means by which we can collaborate with one another and, you know, they're basically going to take him out, is their plan. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Gashnu says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Therefore, you are rebuilding the wall and you are to be their king. According to these reports, you have anointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. A king is in Judah. And now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. So come now and let us take counsel together. Okay, now he's got this falsified document. There's, there's this rumor going around. It's, it's being said that the reason you're rebuilding these walls is you're going to be king. You're going to rebel against Artaxerxes, and we're going to report that to him. You've appointed prophets, and they're basically proclaiming that you're the new king, that you're going to be the king, that sort of thing. So the, f the first four entreaties, come meet with us, come meet with us, come meet with us. He's basically said, no, that's not going to happen. The fifth one is this basically false report that this is what's happening right now in Jerusalem, and you need to meet with us because if the king Artaxerxes hears about this, there's going to be trouble. And so then I sent a message to him saying, things as you are saying have not been done. 
but you are inventing them in your own mind, for all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged and the work will not be done. Oh, now, oh, God, strengthen my hands. He's facing these personal intimidations, these personal threats, and his response is, oh, my God, now strengthen my hands. Give me the strength that's going to be required in order to complete this. We're so close. And I think physically he's, how many of you, when you've had frustrating times in your life, have found some kind of relief and respite in work? Just, I've applied myself to this simple thing that, you know, I can build this, I can make it work. I managed a condominium for 41 years, and I always maintained, give me something to fix. I can fix things. It's people that are challenging. They're hard to fix. And and when they get older, they're even harder to fix. So many times when I faced a, a really tough kind of challenging board meeting or something where everything's stressed out, I would take a chainsaw and go out and cut up a tree. <laughs> I can do this. I can relieve myself from all this other stuff and just focus on this thing that I'm to do right here. And so he, I think, has applied himself as he, as he needed to in order to maintain this. And it's much easier when you're, when you're not focused on all this turmoil around you. All I've got to do is this right here. And uh, so next step They've, they've tried all these avenues of approach. Meet with us, meet with us, meet with us. Then I entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deli- Deliah, son of <laughs> Mehetabal, who was confined at home. He said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the house of God, of the temple for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you at night. Okay, so now this person apparently has some prophetic standing. He's got some recognizable position because it references later that. And so he's invited Nehemiah, come to my home. I'm confined for whatever reason but I have something important to discuss with you. And his suggestion is, they're going to come to kill you. You need to take shelter in the temple, that you would be safe there. your, Your life is at risk. They're going to come at night. You're not going to know when it's happening. You need to take shelter in the temple. But I said, should a man like me flee? And one such as I go into the temple to save his life, I will not go in. Then I perceived that surely God had not sent him. I'm responding to this person because he seems to be a spokesman for God. And I've come to his location, and now it becomes clear to me, this is not a message from God. 
This is not some prophetic utterance that you need to take shelter in the temple. But he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened and act accordingly and sin so that they might have an evil report in order that they could reproach me. Okay? We can't get you. We can't get to you. We can't make you come out and meet with us. If we can frighten you enough to go into, what would be the problem with going into the temple? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, basically, he's not a priest. And so, so for him to go into the temple and close the doors, he recognizes that would be sin. Um, I, I can't do that. Um, even to save my life, I wouldn't do that. Remember, oh my God. Okay, now he said, remember me, all these other times when he's referencing his time frame here, but remember, oh my God, Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these works of theirs. Don't forget what these, this evil that these men have planned. And also, Nodiah, the prophetess, and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me. So it's not just the one prophet who has entered into this conspiracy to frighten Nehemiah, there's other prophets that basically have been telling him, you need to do something. You need to do something. There's a threat against you. And so he's saying, God, remember these people for what they've done. This deceit, this which is, is presented before them. So we've got him facing these challenges. Basically, there's been intimidation and now these fraudulent claims and then these prophets are coming and giving him false testimony as to what he should be doing in order to preserve himself and, and his life and the work. And he's recognized all of that. And he's basically, every time he's faced these challenges, what does he do? He prays, basically appeals to God, and he recognizes there, these deceptions that are being presented before him. <clears throat> so now we get to some good stuff here. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month of Ilyu, Ilil, Elyul, in 52 days, when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence, for they recognized that this work was accomplished with the help of our God. So they've been basically pushing and pushing and pushing, thinking we can stop this, we can foil this, we can prevent this from being completed, and now it's done. And they basically lose their confidence. Okay, we can't stop it. We cannot stand before this God who is orchestrating and, and his hand is upon his servant in order to complete this work. We can't do it. And so they've lost their confidence. Now, the thing about the completion date, this 52 days, is this happens around the time of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which are important celebration timeframes for the nation of Israel. So they've basically completed in this 
eighth month, as it were, that the, the work that's been done. And so now they hopefully have some chance for some rest and peace because now we're secure within the walls of the city. There's another thing that's, that's a dynamic that's happened since the return is the city's relatively low population. Those that have come back, most of the people are out living in the other towns. They have their own homesteads. They have their own kind of situation that they're living in. So um, there's this, the work's not done. The wall's complete. Also in those letters, many, also in those days, many letters went from the nobles of Judah to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. We've got this collaboration continuing from Tobiah with the nobles that are living, that are part of the Jewish community. There's this alliance that apparently has been going on. Letters are going back and forth. They're trying to figure out how are we going to continue our commerce? How are we going to continue the relationship we've had that's benefiting us financially? You know, basically, now that the wall's complete, we're, we're faced with the circumstances. How, how is it that it's going to continue to happen? For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because, and here's where this intermarrying became, be, became com- problematic and, and troublesome for the people. For many in Judah were bound to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era. And his son, Johanan, had married the daughter of Meshalem, the son of Berechiah. Moreover, they were speaking about his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring forth, as they're meeting with Nehemiah, oh, Tobiah's a good guy. They're basically building up his... um, Integrity, his authority, his um, whatever it is. They're speaking well of his good deeds. And then they're reporting back what Nehemiah is saying to him. So as the administrator, as the governor, and he's dealing with all these nobles, they're basically making it perfectly clear, we still like Tobiah. We want, and they're basically reporting back to him everything that Nehemiah is saying and doing. Whew. This is a challenge. He's come into this circumstance. He's only been there working on this for 52 days. Once the wall's complete, then he recognizes the strength of the, the web that he's worked himself within where these nobles still have alliances with Tobiah at minimum and possibly Sembalat and some of the others. And so now he's got to deal with how are we going to move forward as a nation, as a, as a group of people uh, in this circumstance. Verse, or chapter 7, verse 1, when the wall was rebuilt and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed. Okay, now that we've got the work done, Let's get the people in place who are supposed to be in place doing what it is they're supposed to be doing as part of their responsibility. We're going to have gatekeepers. 
We're going to have singers, and we're going to have the Levites doing what it is they're supposed to be doing. We want this city to operate the way it's supposed to operate, and it hasn't for many years. Then I put Hanani, my brother, and Haniah, the commander of the fortress, in charge of Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Okay? I'm governor. I'm administrator over this district now, the whole of Judah, and I need somebody that's going to take care of Jerusalem. That's going to be my brother. And then I need people that are in charge of our forces. Verse 3, then I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they are standing guard, let them shut and bolt the doors. Also appoint guards from the inhabitants of Jerusalem, each at his post and each in front of his own house. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few and the houses were not built. We've made, us, we've made progress. We've got walls, we've got gates, we've now got gatekeepers, we've got singers, we've got Levites, but we don't have people living in the city. And the, and the houses are still in rubble and torn down. People are not going to want to live there. And so we've got most of the population of those who've returned are not living in the city. They're living in the surrounding towns. And uh, verse 5, then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people to be enrolled by genealogies. Then I found the book of the genealogy of those who first who came up first, in which I found the following record. Okay, so he's basically trying to think how many years it's been. It's been almost 100 years since that first group of people came with the Edict of Cyrus. And we've got in the second chapter of, I think it's the second chapter of Ezra, almost this exact same list of people because Basically, the enlist includes everybody that came, and he's looking at this and saying, okay, where did everybody come from and who came back? And so we've got a, a fairly ex, uh, extensive list here, and we're not going to go into all of these. First of all, I can't pronounce the names, and I'd probably put half of you to sleep. Um, <clears throat> So in verse 6, these are the people who came up, the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away and who returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his city. So we have them coming back, not necessarily to Jerusalem, but we have them come back to their city and who came with Zerubbabel and Joshua and Nehemiah and Azariah and came with all these various people at different times. So he's going to list those out, and it becomes a quite involved list. It goes through the end of uh, chapter 7. Essentially, if we go to the first chapter and we're done, (laughs) 
We're going to take it up in chapter 8. I want you all to read and memorize chapter 7, all those names, <laughs> before next Sunday morning. <laughs> the Lord is in his holy temple. Again, thanks for listening. If you live in north-central Florida or you're just passing through, we would love to have you visit us at the Glen Springs Road Church of Christ. Also, check out our website, glenspringschurch.com. You can learn more about our church family and how to contact us. Until next time, God bless. Keep silence, peace.